Today, I speak with a Canadian innovator who pursued love, community, and sustainability to help grow her new family and local economy. She talks about the unique mindset, challenges, and opportunities innovators have that could really change the world. Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to changemakers who want to lead, inspire, or transform the world for the better. My name is Ravi Tour. I'm a straight shooter with a no BS approach. This podcast is meant to be thought-provoking, to get your attention, and mostly, I want to encourage change and movement from folks just like you and me. I'll cover things like world issues, mindset, and theory. So stick around, tune in, and let your mind be the map to your revolution. Welcome to episode 20 of Lit. My name is Ravi Tour, and I am your host. So good to have you guys back here with me for the third guest for the interview series. I'm here today with Samantha Broxham, who is a local entrepreneur who by chance fell into the business she was in. I'm going to let Sam tell you a little bit more about who she is, where she's from, and what she does before we get into her ridiculously serendipitous story. Sam, why don't you take it from here and let everybody know who you are, where you're from, what you do. All right. Thanks, Ravi. I'm Samantha, as Ravi mentioned, and I'm the owner of Polar Baby. And Polar Baby started in November. And in February, I had an opportunity to open a storefront and I took it. And I've been working there since. Uh, we're a local store in London, Ontario, in Canada. And yeah, so I had a baby. I decided I didn't want to go back to work after that. I didn't want to let someone else raise my baby. I wanted to raise my own baby. So I quit my job and I started a mom and baby shop so that I could raise my baby by myself. And that's what I do now. Yeah. And it's, it's actually such a cool story. So number one, the reason Sam and I connected was because of, of her story. She had a really unique story that we're going to talk about today. But also, she's a Canadian, y'all. And like, I haven't had this is my first fucking Canadian next to me who is on the show. And I'm so lit about it because, you know, it's just so hard to find us Canadian in the in the online digital space. So I'm really glad to have someone here from Canada. But also, you're an innovator, right? But you weren't an innovator to begin with. This is this is all by chance, actually by accident, right? And so just to give everybody an idea of where Sam, you know, what job Sam quit, you were a medical assistant, correct? That's correct. Yep. So I I went to school for to be a medical secretary and I worked for four years. And yeah, I worked for for a lot of different physicians. My longest standing job was a pediatric gastroenterologist. So what that means is um, a tummy doctor for kids. And it's a really rough job, I will tell you. If you're ever looking to go into that job, you better have the skin. Yeah, yeah, I bet. It doesn't even sound good. I mean, gastrics, that's, that's, that's a whole... You know, I was going to make an intestines joke here, but I think I'm just going to leave it now. I'll just leave that. I thought about it. No, I'll just leave it. No, but you went from being a medical assistant. You were uh, pregnant in that job, right? And you were also, you sang in choir, right? So you were a choir singer as well, which is another reason why she and I connected because I love classical music. You guys would have never thunk, right? And she's a classical choir singer. And so 
Tell me about the transition because it's a really interesting story. Uh, I don't want to tell it all for you. What kind of happened? You get pregnant, you're working, and you start making some stuff. Why were you making things? So like you said, I was pregnant. I got pregnant in my medical secretary job. My husband lost his job and we were not secure. I was working in a temp position. And, um, you know, as my pregnancy progressed, I decided I wanted to make some items for my baby. I started making baby, uh, I call them infant sleep pockets. They are baby sleeping bags. And I still make them. I still do custom orders. I take t-shirts and I make like baby beanies. Some people don't like the knits on their babies. So I, I make baby beanies out of old t-shirts. And upcycling is kind of my my little signature that I do for Polar Baby. But, you know, I, I decided that, you know, I needed I needed a little bit more. I needed more of that. So I connected with a bunch of other young entrepreneurs from around London and they they rent space from me in my shop and I have a collection of a whole bunch of vendors and I love the community that I have created by by meeting all these entrepreneurs. It's a fantastic community. I didn't expect to have that at all and I would I don't plan on going back to medical secretary because of the relationships that I've made as an entrepreneur. Yeah, but not only the relationships, like that that pure freedom, right? Like you really, really changed the scope of your life and where it's going. It was funny when I was interviewing you for this episode, just to make sure we were a fit for lit. There's your husband, you know, taking the mat leave, taking care of the baby while you, you know, you guys can't see this today for everybody who's listening on the podcast, but you're wearing a boss mom shirt that you actually made, right? Yeah. And so here she is being boss in her warehouse while her husband is taking care of their infant. And yo, shit's really great. And one of the things you kept saying was that you just, you wouldn't trade it. It's like such an amazing, amazing place and experience to be in. It absolutely is. I wouldn't change the, change the freedom for anything. You know, I get to wake up next to my baby and we go into work at 10 o'clock, not 8 a.m. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. We, we make our own schedule and we have Mondays and Tuesdays off. We work on the weekend and uh, I get to meet people for my job every day, make new, meet new people and make new relationships with new people and, you know, make new relationships with moms and their babies and meet new people all the time. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. And so I don't want to give too many trade secrets away here, but I do want to talk about the uh, the tights, right? That was kind of where things really struck. So here you are making some heirloom pieces for your for your baby girl to come. And I believe you were saying you borrowed your mom's sewing machine. Is that correct? Yeah. Thing beside me. It's still here. Yeah. So you didn't have like there was just no intent into what's become, right? All you were trying to do was, hey, Ma, can I borrow your sewing machine so I can make my to-be daughter some tights? And you're really into the uh, recycle products, right? You really want to reuse and reduce on waste. And and so we'll talk about that in a bit. But here you are making heirloom products and someone loved the tights that you made, right? That's correct. So those blew up on me and I didn't expect that at all. But I take a pair of socks and I sew the bottoms of the socks together and make a pair of baby leggings. And you can find them on my website. They, um, they are the cutest. I've seen them. They are the freaking cutest. And so ingenious and innovative. Like, it just blew my mind when you told me. Then I took two crew socks and I was like, oh, shit. I would have never, ever seen that. And then I see the finished product and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. 
right? <laughs> they are really, really cute. All the kids on my, like I have um, promotional material, all my signs, everything, all the kids are wearing them. They're so cute. Yeah. So, okay. So these are like the thing that really blew up. So you're still what working, right? Or were you fully on mat leave at this point? I was fully on mat leave. Yeah. Okay. So you have intention to go back to work after your baby's born, right? You, okay. you, so yeah. it's not like you were fishing for new possibilities. You just made this and this idea blows up. And so what happens from there? <laughs> So, um, I didn't, I don't have the talent to, to create a whole line of products. So that's where my vendors came in. And that's where, you know, I relied on a lot of local entrepreneurs to, to help me out and to build a product line. Uh, I just make the socks, I make the sleeping bags and I make the beanies. That's all I do. Uh, other than I, you know, have the collection of vendors and I manage them, but yeah, I had no intention of going back to work. I was even like turning down job opportunities to work part-time and, I thought, you know, maybe if I could make a little bit of money on the side with what I was doing and maybe I could work only part-time and still have my daughter at home. But when the opportunity to open the storefront came up, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. I decided I was done. I'm not going back to work. I'm going to do this. And you were pretty adamant when we originally talked that this was just a project, right? It, it really was just a project that was very intimate for your daughter. You really wanted those heirloom pieces. They were special to you. And out of passion and ingenuity, came this kind of blow up moment where you had an opportunity to think twice. Even then, it wasn't something that you you kind of dove into. You started to make these. But even that office space, when, you know, that warehouse opportunity came up. I remember you telling me this was quite serendipitous how it did come up, right? That's correct. I, I didn't have um, any intention to do anything more than just make these things at my dining room table at home. But, you know, I happened to be at the right market at the right time. And someone mentioned that space was opening. It was the right price. And all of my vendors actually signed on before I even had the space. They, they believed in me enough that, you know, I was going to get it. And uh, I'm really, really glad that I did because I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't taken that chance. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's striking to me because you are just such a chill chick. Like you are such a chill human being. And so... When I first talked to you, I thought, oh, okay, well, I mean, like, she's a business owner, but she's so chill. And for you, it's all just the flow of things that just continue to happen, right? You're so relaxed. And that's the crazy part. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But this was something that, again, was ignited. You guys, it, I talk about this every week. It was ignited by passion. In this instance, it wasn't a lack of anything, right? There wasn't a missing a component in your life. You were on the side, you had the, the singing, you loved what you did on the side. You were growing a family, you were happy there. Your job, I mean, there were, like you said, the, some things were challenging, but you were content. You were very, very content. So there wasn't anything that was a void. But what ended up happening was you pursued something a little bit different out of your, your scope or your realm of reality, just to kind of provide. And it was something out of love and something that gave you joy and happiness. And then that in itself took on a life form of its own. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, okay, so now you, how, how long has it been since you gave birth? Molly is eight months now. She's eight months. And you've been in this for so I started in November. She was born in July. I started in November and the storefront opened in February. 
Wow. Wow. And you are seeing massive success, aren't you? I am. Absolutely. I love that. You know, everybody wants to be a part of this journey with me. I get messages all the time asking if there's a spot in the store. And I, I honestly, I need a bigger space. I'm outgrowing my space. I'm outgrowing, you know, it's, it's just happening way too fast. <laughs> that, is, that is actually a good thing. Just for the record, it's a good thing. But you recognized also where your talents were and where they weren't, right? I heard you a few times talk about vendors. You brought in people who were doing the other components that you weren't good at. So you focused in on your, you honed in, focused in on your zone of genius. What you did from there was you actually capitalized by bringing in help in the areas where you may lack the, the genius, right? Absolutely. That's right. So I brought in a lot of vendors. I have probably close to 30 vendors now. Um, and we actually just started a baby registry program. So moms who want to shop local with their soup, with their registries, instead of the big, big box retail stores for their registries, when they first get pregnant, they can actually register with us now and support local. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a piece. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the other piece, right? Is economy, right? Local economy. So here's what I talk to, especially you innovators about. It's not just about building your dream business or changing your life or by accident, in Sam's case, falling into something that is clearly a really good fucking idea, a really amazing opportunity, and it really gives back to the community. Here's the piece though. You're bringing on other vendors, right? So you're stimulating growth in your local area of Ontario, stimulating that economy, but you're also giving back in, in the sense of you're reusing material, right? There's a lot of recycling of material happening and you're producing income back into your local community, which means there's massive opportunity for growth it, for all sorts of businesses, right? Absolutely. I'm really glad you see it that way because that's, that's what I hope to do and that's what I hope to bring to the community. Yeah. So talk about that piece a little bit more with me um, for the innovators out there because one of the hats, you know, we have uh, six archetypes and one of the hats is an innovator and that's somebody who can take an actual physical idea and monetize it for the betterment of society, right? That is your change maker. And in your case, you didn't plan on creating change to monetize, or I mean, in essence, you didn't even plan on creating change. It just happened for you and you were the right person for it. So the universe kind of like said to you, Sam, you're it. So let's play, right? And that's kind of what happened, gave you that opportunity. But now as an innovator, creating a product, you know, creating growth in a local economy, producing jobs, producing, you know, vendorship and all that, it's massive. And I don't think people really understand what I mean or when I say that, you know, stick around where you are, wherever you are. You don't need to move to get a better dream. You don't need to leave your local economy for a better dream. And you don't need to produce externally, right? You, you can produce for your internal community. What does that mean? What does that do for the community? And how do you see that? Oh, I'm really glad you bring that up. I'm, I'm actually... Um so what I enjoy doing is I enjoy finding local makers that, you know, they're doing really well. They have their own business established, but, you know, I can scratch their back. They can scratch my back. I give them a place to put their, their product. 
we have contracts with all of them. So they pay a rent for the shop. They pay a rent for me to sell their product. Some of them pay a commission based on their product and their price point of their product. And I sell for them. I sell for them and I pay them, you know, the money that they make with their products. And they send, you know, they send customers to the store instead of doing a deal one-on-one with them. They send the customer to the store to me because they are going to get that money back anyway. And, you know, they might buy another product while they're in there. They might see something and, and because we're in the big warehouse with a whole bunch of other shops, um, you know, we're, we're helping a lot of little businesses when people send their customers to me. And uh, by, by advertising all those local businesses, I bring in customers for a baby product. But, you know, the store that's next to me, she's called Organji Natural, and she has natural, like, cosmetic products. And, you know, someone that that would be a customer for me may not necessarily be looking for something in there, but they do and they find something and it's really good. It's again, it's scratch my back. I scratch your back. We do it all. Everybody talks to each other. Everybody is, you know, they're, they're just, they're helping everyone out and we make the money, we make money for other people. And yeah, that's, that's how it works for us. And I think it works really well. Yeah. It's a real ripple effect in terms of, you know, that community vibe, right? A lot of people think that in order to get successful, I need to sell to some some source outside of your own community. But here's the thing. One of the reasons why community economics is so depressed or people think that they need to leave to, to find a better dream. And this is for you guys, especially who are in my non-Western countries, right? So the listeners of those who are from like, South Africa, that are from Mexico, that are out there that think they, they need to leave. Sure, you've got harsher conditions to deal with 100%. I, I'm, I'm not going to bullshit you about that. But being able to represent your ideas, your innovation, and being able to turn your community around, that's what it's about. Because, okay, for Sam, I did get an opportunity to see her warehouse. And legit, there's like these little shops all next to each other. And Unless I had had this opportunity to speak with her, I obviously wouldn't have known that existed, but yet you guys flourish in that area, right? You guys really produce for each other. And then you take that money that you make from your sales in your business that's a community business, and then you put that back into your community, right? You're buying the local grocery, you're buying the local products, you are spending at the local events and so forth, right? And so that really turns, there's an uptick in your economic growth just for where you're at. Absolutely. And I just want to touch on um, how you mentioned how, um, you know, some, some other countries, they're a little bit, you know, less fortunate, but it's, it's, also about, it's also about knowing your market and about knowing your community and what your community needs. If you find that, you know, there's a product lacking or if there's a service lacking, it, by knowing your community and by knowing your market, you are able to innovate in your own community and and produce for your own community. You can you can create a business. You can be successful in your business, but you have to know your market. Absolutely. And you know, for you it was totally accidental, but I think what you really did capitalize on or um yeah, I mean, you did capitalize on it to some degree, but it was that that passion, right? Something that you loved that you knew was going to really work for your kid, for you, 
And then all of a sudden the community was interested, right? So it was about trying it out. And then some eyes got onto your product. And for you, especially, it wasn't like you were purposefully getting eyes on your product. It was just all happenstance. It just all happened. And you guys, that's sometimes the way it works, especially in entrepreneurship. Sometimes it just happens. It's all serendipitous. There's nothing else to it. I mean, even for myself, a lot of the components of me building my business and building and moving towards, you know, what's become lit and what's become my private coaching practice, and you know, what's become my speaking career is all because all of these little events kind of lined me up for it. And then all of a sudden, boom, they combust into one massive idea that makes sense. But paying attention to the things that come up for you in life is huge. And then recognizing that, you know, you don't have to chase outside of your area, right? Think about the different nations that exist that can actually develop within their lands. A lot of us, you know, Sam, you're really young. Tell us how, like, you're really young, aren't you? I am young, yes. Okay, so how old are you? I'm 24. Okay, guys, like, just for a moment there, soak that in. Sam is 24 years old, right? She is the new face of economic growth, right? Just like you, you are the new face of economic growth. It's not those big box chains that are run by the older gentlemen, right? And some so not gentlemen, but those older dudes who have been there for fucking eons and eons and eons, right? It is now the youth and the younger adults that are driving economic growth. And that means that you guys are the new innovators. So just like leadership is now changing, right? Politics, the face of politics is changing with a younger face. So is product, production, innovation, all of that. And so you don't actually have to leave. You can make it happen in your place. And so the more and more of you guys who are listening that are younger know that you just have to start tinkering away and playing, right? As a true innovator, that's exactly what you did. You borrowed that sewing machine and you just started to screw around to some degree, right? Like, how did you know if you didn't try that those crew socks were going to work out, right? Exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. So walk me through a little bit of the innovator's mindset, okay? What does it look like to... To be able to tinker around, because I'm sure that you've had your own doubts and you've had your own fears and you've had your own kind of hangups that have held you back, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, um, so uh, I'll, I'll start with again, like you have to know your market, you have to know what people want. And, you know, you may make a product and you may try a product and you may try and sell a product and it just doesn't sell. It doesn't sell. Nobody wants it. And, you know, you learn from that mistake. You learn from, I won't even call it a mistake. It's not a mistake. You learned, you, you did something and it just didn't happen for you. So you move on, you try the next thing. And, um, that, that's exactly what it is. I don't sell the, the infant sleep pockets anymore unless they're custom order because they don't sell. People don't want them. Um, but the crew sock leggings, the baby leggings, people want them. People, uh, will pay for them and people love how cute they are and the idea of them. You just need to know like what you need to move on from. And so how do you, how do you know that though? Like, how did you know that you needed to move on from something and to understand that it's not a mistake. It's a pivotal point to grow from. You just learned something. 
Honestly, uh, I use social media as a really big tool for selling. Um, so I'll, I'll post something on social media and if it doesn't get a big response, then you know that it's not the right time to launch that product or it's just not the right audience. So you need to, you need to move on, find a new product, find a new audience. And I've done both of those things. I've tried different audiences. I've tried different products. Um, I've actually created my own focus group now because that's, you know, the focus group, the the audience that I'm looking for, they know what they want. They know what they want to shop for. Mm -hmm. So you create a focus group, you find out what they want to have, and then you source that product. You either make it yourself or you find a vendor that's going to do it for you. Yeah. Okay. So when you test the product in the market, market comes back to you and says, "Mm, no, not happening, right? You have two options. You've got the option to basically crawl up into fetal position and hide underneath a rock, or you have an opportunity focus where, okay, well, that didn't work, so let me move on and keep toying around and toying around. It sounds like you were opportunity focused, but I believe to some degree it wasn't always opportunity focused. There had to have been a place where you started to really question yourself or really think negatively. Is that a possibility? Absolutely. I think every, every entrepreneur, every entrepreneur, you know, has that moment where they think maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this isn't the right choice for me. I'm not making any money. I'm not bringing in anything for my family. You know, maybe I just need to go back to work. I need to go and be safe. And, you know, you can either be safe or you can take the leap. And, you know, taking the leap, it's a lot of hard work. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, a, again, it, like, it just, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, of late nights. It's a lot of process. And it's a lot of consultation. You need to meet with your audiences. You need to meet with the people, you know. Um, and, and you, you know, you have those moments where you may find that it's, it's not going to work for you. But you either press forward or give up. And I'm not a give up person. Yeah. And so talk to me about that because, okay, it sounds like you're naturally pretty strong at just maintaining focus, right? That's, that's the, your shtick, which is great. But how do you do that? Because you are that person who's overdeveloped in that area. So how do you keep on? So that night, those grueling nights when you are bringing in money for a brand new fucking family, right? Like a brand new family. How do you maintain the progression forward? How do you maintain a positive outlook? I'm doing it for my vendors. I'm doing it for my daughter. I need to show her that, uh, you know, this is an opportunity. Like, um, she can be an entrepreneur in her life if she wants, but she needs to see a brave face. She needs to, um, she needs to know that, you know, life goes on. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to give up for her. I'm not. And my vendors, I've, you know, I continue to press on for them because they're counting on me to bring them money as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's switch gears here to that daughter of yours and to that family of yours, right? So as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Sam is the is the actual kind of you're you're the boss in this family right now. As dad is, I mean he's dad okay, dad, when you listen to this. You are also boss, just for the record. You are boss, but dad is on maternity leave and you are working. And that is so ass backwards to what we're so used to, right? We are used to the man working through that mat leave. He is the provider. He focuses on work. 
And the mom focuses on rearing that infant, right? Bringing up that infant and caring for that infant. And that is so not how it's going in your household. It's so unconventional. So how is that working in your household? And what is that kind of done for your family? It's really healthy, I think. I think that growing up, showing Molly that gender roles are not typical. And, uh, you know, it's a new age. Not everything is typical anymore. And um, I think Eric and I have always been reverse roles. When we met, uh, we were 16. We've been together for eight years. And um, he's he's always been the cook and the cleaner. And, and it's always been that way. So, you know, for me to kind of be the boss of the family, it's not unconventional for us. Um, he definitely is. Um, he, he's a big support and we support each other and we play off each other. He does have uh, a job to go back to in June. He works at a bank and, you know, he makes money too. But for now, it, this is working for us. And I really enjoy, you know, having him to support me through this and to have Molly and him at my job every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And so with this kind of this transition for typical families, I know you guys are not very typical. You guys are very unconventional, which makes it typical for you guys, for other families to see you guys the way you are, right? Because when we initially interviewed each other, technically speaking, I mean, you interviewed me too, to make sure this is legit. Um, (laughs) But I saw Eric sitting there with the baby hanging out in the warehouse while you were having a conversation with me. I got an opportunity to meet him. It was super cool. What does it do for others who see you guys in community? You know, seeing you as a business owner, seeing your husband hanging about, taking care of a kid while you work. Like there's a united front there as well, right? You guys are connected. You guys are, you know, really there, present, free, right? What? If anything, has it done anything for the community around you? And if so, what? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The the warehouse that we work in, um, it's called B13. And, you know, they they are a big extended family. And the other day, Molly took her first steps in the middle of the, the warehouse and everyone was there clapping. And it was so cool. Molly has a ginormous family. She has a million parents and... Um, you know, it's it's amazing to have the extended family and all of the support around us. Eric and I and Molly are our little family, and um, you know, they're all aunts and uncles and parents, and it's it's such a cool re- like relationship in there. And it's I'm really really proud and happy to be a part of it and to have Molly grow up that way. And um, you know, Eric and I make all of our business decisions decisions together. We have Molly with us. And, you know, a lot of the business decisions we have made are, you have Molly in mind, um, but we have a big community there and, and everybody makes decisions together. And it's, yeah. it's such a cool community. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so cool. And when you were talking about the first steps and everybody's la- clapping and we've got the extended family and all of that, what I'm thinking of, you know, is it's a tribe, right? You guys have your own united tribe, your own community there of a bunch of people. And in a time, this is the craziest thing, Sam, in a time when we are as a society so fucking disconnected because we're so isolated, right? Like there is a lot of misery and a lot of it has to do with 
choices and decisions in life and how we perceive life, but also that there's a mass isolation going on. We are all, you know, stuck to our Twitter feeds and stuck to our Facebook feeds, and that's where we live our lives. You guys are creating, recreating what community is all about, right? We're doing our best. A lot of our business has to be done on social media as well. Yeah. Um, but 100%, if I can just make a post and then leave it, and I would rather make those face-to-face connections. I'd rather go out in the street and you know bring customers in that way. I'd rather meet people face-to-face. That, that is how I want to run my business. The social media thing, unfortunately, we have to rely on it a lot because that's how, the, that's, that's how society, you know, Finds, finds their products anymore. That's how the society wants to shop. So we have to conform in order to have our audience needs met. Um, but 100%, I would much rather just have like a big market style and meet my customers that way. Yeah, yeah. Bringing community back. It's, it's so cool and it's so huge, right? Like in your guys' own little way and really producing products that are um, sustainable, right? That's another model that you're focused on is that sustainability. So talk to me about that real quick. What, what kind of urged you to focus on sustainability and why are you focused on it? Um, honestly, it was a big cost point for me in the beginning. Um, you know, material now is really expensive, but I found that a lot of waste was being made and I tried to figure a way that, you know, I could, I could, reduce that waste I tried to find a way that I could reuse old clothing and uh, it turns out a lot of people were getting rid of old clothing at the at that time Um, it was a season change so we have a giant donation box in our in our house that has t-shirts and pants and it's overflowing with stuff and I can make new baby clothes out of it and it's really cool yeah no that's awesome and it sounds like a lot of them would be one of a kind then too right so, Absolutely. yeah, so all of you guys going out there to buy uh, uber expensive baby clothes because you think that, you know, your kid needs to be posh. Here again, an opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you didn't. So for li- listeners, she's kind of shoving her nose up, right? There's there's a kind of aspect of that. But here you get an opportunity to, you know, be local, provide into the local economy, but also have a one of a kind piece right? And so, okay, there's kind of a burning question here I have to ask. These are used pieces of clothing that are coming in and you're going to slap them on someone's baby. And we all know, like, I'm a germaphobe, FYI. I am straight up a germaphobe. So how do you maintain, you know, safety standard cleanliness and all of that stuff? Just a lot of bleach. I love it. A lot of bleach, guys. A lot of bleach. Perfect. I love it. No, it we we make sure everything is safe and we're really choosy about what we use. So um if a garment comes in and clearly it's not up to standards for a baby, we'll we'll make sure that we don't use that piece. And I am pretty choosy about what I am using. So I, if I wouldn't put it on my baby, I won't give it to you, I promise. That is rad. So stimulating your local economy using your innovator skills, putting on your innovator's hat by accident, and then finding that you're living a life by, you know, this is this has been the last three weeks theme, freedom and choice, right? Exactly, yep. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Okay, so Sam, if people want to find you, if they want to get 
their hands on these amazing, I mean, those tights, you guys, I'm telling you, they're pretty rad. So if you want to get your hands on these amazing things, what is it or where can they go to kind of find you? So I do most of my promotion on Facebook. I don't have um, a website yet. It is in the works. Um, but uh, my Facebook page on um, on Facebook is Polar Baby. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, are all on Inst- we are on Instagram as well, Polar Baby Canada. Um, you're welcome to PM me day or night. You're welcome to email me. All of my contact information is there. Send me a text, whatever, whatever you do. Um, I do ship. If you want to come find the store, we are Polar Baby inside B13, the Baker's Dozen. We're in uh, the Old East Village of London, Ontario. The address is 613 Dundas Street East. 